0: If you're not going to make it yourself you shouldn't your options on the shelf shouldn't all be garbage <laughs> you should still be able to go to the store and buy something that's as good as what you would make on your own
1: that's adina grigore founder of sw basics a brooklyn-based skincare and cosmetics company and author of the skin cleanse the simple all-natural program for clear calm happy skin all of the ingredients sw basics uses are natural either certified organic fair trade or sourced from family farms. But when SW Basics began to put its products on the shelves of retailers like Target and Anthropology, there were some hurdles and a question. How does a business maintain its integrity while getting big? Really big. Hyperlink, hyperlink is hyperlink. Is-
0: hyperlink. Is- Connection. 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 information.
1: Connection. Hello and welcome to Season 1 of Hyperlink Radio, Episode 4. I'm today's host, David Grabowski. Hyperlink Radio is a biannual series of podcast episodes that explores how we connect with each other, with our technology, and with the world around us. We are proudly produced by Winning Edits, which publishes the biannual magazine Hyperlink. Find us online at hyperlinkradio.io and listen to Hyperlink Radio through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you like to listen to your podcasts. Adina Grigori started making clean cosmetics in her Brooklyn kitchen years ago in response to some investigation concerning the ingredients label of most cosmetics. That same passion blossomed into workshops and eventually bloomed into SW Basics, Adina's company, which has been wildly successful. The company maintains a strong commitment to its original vision for clean, sustainable, and simple cosmetics. So how did SW Basics avoid going the route of... (coughs) Burt's Bees, which is regarded as having sold out somewhat, and I put that in air quotes, selling for $913 million to Clorox in 2008. Today's episode is excerpted from an interview given for an article in issue one of Hyperlink Magazine, which was written by Jennifer Snyder. Adina describes how it all started.
0: I had studied holistic nutrition um, and was working as a personal trainer at Equinox in the city, and really liked wellness in general and felt like it was really important but was super annoyed by the industry so I didn't like that it was really I felt it was like it was really luxurious um, really inaccessible and exclusive and also just a lot of like withholding of information in order to like maintain power and money <laughs> originally what I started doing was I started, it was called sprout wellness. And it was just like these workshops and working with people one-on-one to be like, this information is being held back from you, but it's really basic. And if you just had this information, um, you would feel better about everything. And it's important to feel better because I think the reason that we all like our cultures having kind of a meltdown is because everyone is sick and feels bad all the time. So it really was just a DIY wellness concept in general. Um, But what I discovered really quickly was that skincare was an area that all women were interested in and an area that was really ignored. So when I would talk about food, it would actually be really easy, fairly easy for me to be like, here's what to look for. Here's what to look for at the grocery store. Here's how to how to eat. And over and over, I was like, "Ah, people actually know how to eat. They're paranoid about how to eat, but they don't not know what to do. Um, but then when it came to their skincare, it would just be like, I feel like I'm doing everything right and everything is still going wrong. And I had the same problems. I had really sensitive skin and I've discovered through dur- during right around that same time, oh shit, like all of these brands are greenwashing or like luxe washing, like luxurious and then putting the same trash in the jar. So I'm going to start to try to make this stuff on my own. And what I'll do is I'll go to these workshops And I'll go back to these clients and I'll just teach them how to make it because I realized, oh my God, it's so easy. And this is like a huge, it's almost like not a conspiracy, but what a hilarious thing that you can just go into your kitchen and put that stuff on your skin. And instead you think that you have to buy something that says it's natural and isn't or costs you $300 and makes you break out. So it was like 2009 to 2011 that I was working on it. I was working on the formulas. I was teaching people the formulas. Um... And I was working full time at another job, but sort of knowing that I wanted to kind of go in some direction with the business, mm-hmm. um, was making everything in my kitchen. And, and then realized around 2011, I realized, oh, there's actually a real shot here where I can take this stuff, I can put it on a shelf, I can teach, keep teaching people how to make it, um, keep teaching people what they should know about their skincare and about their health and wellness – but i think there's the opportunity to put an actual line of skincare on the shelves that is the things that i'm talking about because just because what i was originally doing is going no it's never going to happen you have to go do it on your own and then i realized well that's that's one of the entire problems is if you're not going to make it yourself you shouldn't your options on the shelf shouldn't all be garbage <laughs> you should still be able to go to the store and buy something that's as good as what you would make on your own
1: things were going well for adina Really well, in fact. The idea was somewhat revolutionary. Take the same care and concern that consumers have for their food and apply that ethos back to what they put on their skin every day. Makes sense, right? And it's an easy enough concept to execute in the kitchen, but then anthropology happened.
0: The first step out of making it in our kitchen was um, when we got the lip balms into anthropology, and it was this huge order. It was 3,000 units. And we just were like, oh, we can't keep doing this. And so that's when we started manufacturing. And then from there, um, the next step was basically Target, which happened, you know, fast, I think, probably to a lot of people. But for me, you know, it took us it was just a year of kind of continuing to work that way before we met with Target. Then we met with Target and then it was like, oh, now we're really going to manufacture in like a huge way.
1: That was the breakthrough for Adina. The people spoke, and they wanted SW Basics. Soon, Adina had a book on the shelves, Skin Cleanse, the simple, all-natural program for clear, calm, happy skin.
0: As far as idea, it was easy in the sense that it was like what I had already been doing. You know, what I had sort of been gathering as my it was like my mantra in a book. So it was easy just in the sense that it was like, this is stuff I've been thinking about for years and researching for years. And this is what I want to say to everyone. This is what I say to my clients. And it came about because my client, um, I had a client at that time who was, who turned out to be a book agent. (laughs) She was just like, you know, this is kind of like a program that you, you know, have you ever thought about actually turning it into book? And I think, you know, obviously at the time, like my whole life, I've been super ambitious and wanted to do stuff like that. Um, But at the time, I just was like, that's crazy. There's no way that there's enough here and I can actually do this. And it was really just her honestly coaching me. She's more like a coach than an agent and helping me put it together and, and write it while also running the company, which was insane.
1: But back to the cosmetics. When you scale up, where do you get the same quality of ingredient at scale?
0: So originally it was that we, I would like just look at other brands that I really liked what they were doing, um, and loved like everything about the brand. And so I would be like, what are the suppliers who's going, you know, like, how do I get to the bottom of this, um, find the resources. But then fairly quickly, it actually switched over to, First of all, once we started working with manufacturers, um, particularly the ones we work with, are just as strict about their ingredient standards. So that's been a really, really nice resource because I can kind of go to them and be like, "Hey, well, who are you using for X, Y, and Z ingredient? I would love to look into them." And it's always someone awesome. Um, And then now we're really lucky because now ingredient suppliers will reach out to us. They'll be interested in it and intrigued and. Um, you know, and we get some stuff that's just like, here's this crazy synthetic ingredient that just came on the market. And those are the ones that we're kind of ignoring it's for shea butter and rose water and salt and all sorts of things coming to us and being like, Hey, here's what, what we make. We'd love to send you a sample. So that's really the number one way at this point. And I try all of them and, you know, I'll be like, is this better than what we're using? And And if it is, and if they have the same sort of like ethics, then we go for it a couple of like our ingredients that we worked with early on, in order to scale, have not made it because it's so incredibly hard, not just quantity-wise, but you have to really be able to provide some fairly strict and thorough paperwork and evidence of how you're doing things. And On the one hand, it's like you want to keep all of the small manufacturers and all the small producers. On the other hand, I think it actually makes a lot of sense to us that that as you scale, it requires more proof that you're doing things the right way. Like, we kind of like that that's the case. In fact, it should be way more the case than it is, you know? Um, So that's been one thing that I think has been really hard for us, is some relationships have just transitioned or ended um, from growing. But I think other than that, it's just been a daily... I mean, I'm not kidding, like, a daily... I'm so angry. This is going so horrifically. I'm so annoyed. Hang on. What really matters here? This is another person on the other side of this, and we're just all trying to do the right thing.
1: Okay. So, when you have to scale up, you have to be thorough. And SW Basics is very thorough.
0: So, then it's going back and checking in on the paperwork. So, do you create MSDSs? Do you create batches? Do you. One sort of another one that we didn't touch on is micros. So are you actually checking, especially with something like rose water, are you actually checking each batch to make sure that there's no bacteria, that it's 100% safe? And can you provide us with that um, data? And sometimes it's no, which is really sad. And where the conversation will end, sometimes it's absolutely, of course, we, you know, and honestly, a lot of the times when it's yes, is it's someone who is bigger and who has gone through that same stuff and is like, oh, of course, we've been in business for a long time, you're nowhere near our largest supplier. So of course that we already do this because if something goes wrong for a customer, you need to be able to trace it back. Like a recall, a recall is a crazy, crazy experience mm-hmm. that most small companies have no idea how to do. And you have to be, able—you can't be in target and not have a recall procedure, right? If something's wrong, you have to be able to do something about that. But that involves all of your suppliers being in on that as well um and a lot of small producers just like how we were at the beginning are like no i'm not keeping back. like i'm not checking you know i'm not like i don't have this huge operation i just make what i make and then i sell it it makes total sense but for us it's like yeah but we wait the liability and again right like look how quickly the language gets around liability really just means well we need to keep people safe
1: and then the question that everybody asks Are you fair trade certified?
0: Yeah, that one's hard because it's like basically it means do our suppliers also have the types of certifications that we have? But that's taken into account is that certifications are insanely expensive and they take a lot of time. So, again, some of these suppliers, when they're trying really hard to just produce shea butter and get it out the door, you know, and run their business, it's kind of hard to go back to them and be like, hey, cool, when are you going to get fair trade certified or when are you going to get some sort of other And that's So basically what we do is our bottom line is, are you organic or fair trade, and are you working towards either one of those, and then it's okay. We've kind of let them not feel like they have to do more than that, because I think we understand what it's like.
1: So despite all the challenges, finding the ingredients, finding enough of the ingredients, all the red tape, recall procedures, SW Basics is thriving. This is more than a fun thing Grigori tried in her kitchen once— It's social responsibility, and she takes that very seriously, with her team as much as with anything else.
0: It's very easy when you start a business to be like, it's going to be so good for everyone, and then suddenly you're in business as usual, and you're like, wait, are we really thinking about that stuff? You know, are we actually, like, making sure that we are paying attention to what the point of all of this is? But I think it's I think it starts with making your team happy. And that's, again, still like a work in progress. So it has to do with making sure that they feel free at work, that they're not really like changed to their jobs, that they're not being treated like children, that it's not like a super corporate environment, really simple things like we don't do like, oh, you have to do a vacation request, I need to know where you are at all times. And I'm going to be checking your desk even though I'm barely ever there because I'm so busy um, basically like not treating them like they're different from me I think is mm-hmm. sort of the top thing um, but then from there it really is just like all of us talking all the time especially post-election what more can we do what more can we do um, and so far I've been a little bit frustrated because a lot of what the easy thing to defer to is money mm-hmm. which obviously there's nothing wrong with that but you know, so we do like, let's donate to the ACLU and let's donate to, we donated to the March and we take, and you know, one of the things we do that to make it a little better, that is the thing that drives me crazy about giving money is I think it's really irritating when companies are like, we're going to donate a portion of profits to this thing. And I'm like, well, that's, (laughs) you probably don't have very much profit from my experience. So that's easy. Whereas we do revenue. So it's like, We will give money away anyways. Um, But that stuff is very, I don't know, that feels very surface level. So we're trying now to figure out how to like, we've been brainstorming, can we come together as a team and donate time? And um, how do you not make employees also like, feel like they have to do something on their own time, but rather have them get to come to work and at work feel like they're giving back.
1: So what's next?
0: Um, I mean, we really want to hopefully at some point get into our own manufacturing. We really want, I would love to maybe do retail at some point on our own. I think that basically all of this comes down to getting to control. I mean, and this, this is really, we love our manufacturers. We love our suppliers and we love our retail doors So I think this has a lot to do with, like, focusing on them and on those relationships and seeing where they can go and if they continue to evolve. But I think I really like control. (laughs) I really like, um, you know, really getting to do, to push um, the boundaries as much as possible. And I think that that's not, sometimes it's almost, like, unfair what we expect of the people that we work with. So being able to do that, even just on a small scale on our own, I think would be really exciting. So not necessarily, like, a big blown out manufacturer or a big blown out store, but rather like a small location where you can come visit us and you can see how the stuff is made and you can interact with us. Grigori's story
1: is undeniably an underdog story. For a small brand to scale to retail level and maintain integrity, it's definitely the exception to the rule.
0: I think the deck is extremely stacked against a small brand. It's like huge brands have those types of protocols. The reason, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons that these huge companies don't do what we do is because of how hard it is. And because of how hard it is to like keep track of everything and make sure that, you know, everything is going really, really smoothly. They, they control the entire process to make sure that there is no room for anything to go wrong. Um, which is hilarious because obviously it still does. And you hear about recalls about stuff that you're just like, how did that even happen? But for us, it's like, yeah, we can't. We have a little bit of this internalized fear that it's not possible for us to mess up even one time because it's like we're being tested in a sense. Like, can you really do this? Can a small brand really do this and not mess it up?
1: It's that very question that's the Goliath for SW Basics. And it could be that very challenge that's to thank for all its success. That's what it takes for any underdog success story after all, perseverance. Here at Winning Edits, it's our house policy to always use an Oxford comma. We find it helps avoid unnecessary confusion in any writing, so each episode of Hyperlink Radio this season, we're given an example of how the Oxford comma adds significant clarity and often avoids disastrous misunderstanding. Here to help me with today's example is Known Wells. Hello, David. Hello, Known. All right, so... This example comes from uh, a list of examples on a website called Odyssey, and this is a this is a real world you know in the field in the wild example of the Oxford comma not being used and and hilarity ensuing. So I'm going to read the sentence, which which this sentence would have appeared on your iPhone app if you had a Sky News application at the time. So I'm going to read the sentence how it should have been written, and then. No one will read it without the Oxford comma and thus how it appeared. So top stories, world leaders at Mandela tribute, Obama Castro handshake, and same-sex marriage date set. So now no one is going to read it uh, the way it appeared. Okay, top stories, world leaders at Mandela tribute, Obama Castro handshake, and same-sex marriage date set. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I always check my news, you know, first thing in the morning. I pop. I use BBC. But I, yeah. it would be hilarious to see that come up in my pop-up notifications. Oh, well, Obama is getting married to Fidel Castro. <laughs> yes, and uh, there's handshakes involved. Handsh- that's, 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 you I know, guess that's how they get married there? That's I, I always assumed that in, in, in any marriage, the, the best way to really do things is just to, you know, you just have a good handshake. look each other in the eyes and you say all right let's do this thing i mean yeah and the handshake has to be firm very firm and you know if we're honest like that's saving so much money i mean weddings are so expensive anyway can't we just go to the courthouse have a nice firm handshake and move forward with the rest of our lives i mean that just seems so much more simple i agree wholeheartedly and why not why why do you even have to go to the courthouse i feel like just just shake some hands and maybe the state can throw some money at us (laughs) Just shake hands, you know. Put a GoFundMe up, you know. Post a picture of the handshake and and hope for the best. That's I think the best approach. Go fund my merit. <laughs> Go fund my like Next week on Hyperlink Radio, we're doing something a little different. We're throwing a dinner party. Well, Mindy, one of our contributors, is throwing one and breaking down the art of the modern dinner party. It's all about accommodation. The art comes in balancing all of your guests' dietary restrictions, allergies, and as she says, garden variety, I hate this food, to cook a meal that everyone likes. It can be a puzzle, so Mindy's giving us some practical strategies and tactics so you can piece it all together. All of that next week on Hyperlink Radio. To find out more about Hyperlink Radio, visit hyperlinkradio.io, where you can find show notes, bonus content, links, and other episodes from Season 1. Stay connected to Hyperlink Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you like to listen to podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at underscore winningedits. Thanks again, and stay connected.